so good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Let's continue to worship this morning. See, the rocks will cry out. The rocks will cry out. The oceans will roar. The mountains will bow. To the name of the
to the heart of God. Praise is the to the move. We long to see a move to the move of God. We long to see you move, Lord. Praise is the highway to the throne of God. Praise is the highway to the heart of God. Praise is the highway to the move of God. Lift up your head, fling wide the gates, break down the walls with a shout, shout of praise. Lift up your
this morning we are so thankful that even for a moment you would leave the large group and seek us out and meet us right where we were we didn't have to clean up before we came to you that's a message for you this morning you don't have to clean up before you come to Jesus that's why Jesus died on the cross to pay for your messy mistakes we're so thankful this morning for that blood that was spilled on the cross so the lost sheep like us could be found Lord, we praise you this morning. Shadow, you won't light up. So you won't climb up, coming after me. The snowball, you won't kick down. Lie, you won't tear down, coming after me. The snow shadow, you won't light up. Mountain, you won't climb up. Whatever you're facing, he'll kick down that wall. Today we celebrate the independence of our nation. And we're no doubt thankful for the freedom that we have. But as I stand here this morning, there's something that just comes over and over to my mind. While I'm thankful for the freedom that I have in this country, as I stand here this morning, I'm thankful for the freedom that I have in Christ. The, I'm thankful for the, for the sacrifice that was made for the freedom of this country. But I'm so thankful for the sacrifice that was made for my freedom in Him. And as we stand before Him today, we have to know and understand that it was a sacrifice. But it's because of that sacrifice. It's because that when we didn't deserve it, when we could do nothing to earn it, He came after us. With reckless abandonment, He came after us. And it's because of that that we're free in Him. Is anybody thankful for that freedom you have this morning? Amen. Yes, can we give him a hand clap? Thank you, Jesus. We want to thank you for your continual giving. Thank you for allowing us to continue to do ministry.
we're always looking at ways to, to do ministry in this community. And, and we do that through your giving. And we want to thank you uh, for that. Uh, there are boxes at the back. You can do it online. Uh, but you are continually sacrificing and, and giving back a portion of what God's blessed you with. And it's through that that we continue to do ministry. So thank you. You can be seated. Look at the person sitting beside you and tell them that you are glad that they were at Gateway Church this morning. Go ahead, do it. <clears throat> All right, now look at the person on your other side, which they now know that they are your second choice. Tell them that there's no better place that they could be. We are glad that, uh, that you're here this morning. I want to take just a moment and uh, on behalf of, of myself and my family, I, we want to thank you publicly for uh, the love and compassion and uh, all the text messages and, and uh, everything that, that this church family has done during the passing of, of my mother. And uh, you guys have been, it's in moments like this, we preach and preach and talk about community and talk about church family, uh, but it's never more evident of how important that it is uh, when tragedy strikes in your own home. And uh, we want to thank you for everything that you have done. And we ask that you would continue to, uh, to cover us in your prayers uh, as the days come and, and the months. And uh, we are just taking it one step at a time. But we want to thank you. Thank you for uh, everybody who, you know, I haven't been here, um, I guess, three weeks. And um, so I hope that you uh, took one of those hamburgers you had yesterday and put it in your purse or your pocket because I've got like three weeks worth of uh, of uh, energy pent up inside of me. And uh, so, uh, but we're excited about what God is doing. And, uh, but I'm, I'm thankful for everybody that stepped up and, you know, church went on uh, just like it was supposed to and, and everything ran. And uh, so I'm so thankful for that and, and for a staff that God has put around us to do ministry here. Uh, this morning, I want to talk for, to you for a few minutes about the heart of God. I want to talk to you about what also is the heart of our church. As we, when we planted this church, we, we, we planted it almost 15 years ago with a, the idea that everyone mattered. And we really believe that that's the heart of God. We want to talk about the one. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen in church when we gather together. Now, there's a lot of things that, that take place <clears throat> on a Sunday morning. People come to the altars and, and, and when we do community events, there's a lot of things that happen. But there's also a lot that happens outside of this church building. There's also a lot that happens when we take the step and we start to connect with people. When we start to build relationships with people. When we understand the concept and grasp the power of one. There is power in one. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 15, uh, Jesus has just come through and was telling this crowd of people. He said, this is what it's going to cost to be my disciple. This is what it's going to cost you. And then he goes into some parables. 
If you don't know, a parable is just simply a, a story that Jesus would use to illustrate his point. And so in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three parables. He tells one about a lost coin. He tells one about a lost son. And he tells one about a lost sheep. Now, if you're seeing a pattern here, in each one of these parables, something was lost. In Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 7, it says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, these were the religious people, and the teachers of the law, they began to mutter, complain, talk amongst themselves. They said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. To that, Jesus then tells this parable. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and he loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Now, Jesus is telling this story, and what he's basically saying is, he's saying, if you wouldn't, you're not a good shepherd. Jesus is saying this, and then he says, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. He says, I'll tell you the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. In this first seven verses of Luke chapter 15, I believe that this is the greatest picture of the gospel inside of the gospel. Jesus had this group of people and they were following him around. He had this group of people who they just didn't get him. They didn't understand it. And the Bible says that when he, when they begin to talk about him, they said, this is the man who welcomes. Now the, the Greek word there, it basically means to receive. This is the man who receives. This is the man who spends time with. This is the man who hangs out with people that we would never be seen with. And so here they are. They're watching this. They're watching this crowd of people. And, and basically they're trying to discount what Jesus is saying because they're saying this man is, he's just not right. And they're watching this, and so Jesus begins to tell these stories to illustrate the power of one. When he asked this question, it was almost rhetorical. He said, wouldn't a shepherd leave the one, the 99, to go after the one? To him, it's so obvious. To him, he's saying, like, of course I would. Now, when I read this story, I have to admit, I may not. When I read this story, I think, well, why would you leave the 99? It seems so unconventional. It seems so reckless, just like we just sang about. To me, it almost seems careless. Why would you leave the 99 and go after the one? But when Jesus asked this question, he says, wouldn't you? 
Jesus says, of course I would. Of course you should. He's saying, if you want to make a difference in your community, if you want to change eternity, then you have to understand the power of one. You have to grasp Luke chapter 15 and the three parables that were told. And I begin to ask myself the question, what if I, what if we as a church, just like Jesus, would take this to heart? What if I would say I'm going after the one? We have to understand that God counts by ones. And you are the one. Calvary was for the one. Jesus died for the one. And then after he reaches the one, then he reaches one more. This has to become the heart of our church. And we begin to think about that and you think, well, I'm that one. I'm so thankful for a church that goes after the one. I'm so thankful for a church and you'll never be more thankful when your child is the one or when your spouse is the one or someone that you care about is the one. The power of one. The first thing that we have to realize is, is that every number has a name. Every number has a name. I, I sort of get amused at pastors who say, well, no, it's not about the number. How many did you have this morning? 300, but it's not about that. I would stand here and tell you, if I'm being completely honest, yes, it's about the number. You say, well, pastor, you shouldn't be like that. I hope this house is packed. I hope these altars are filled. Not because I can look at someone and say we had X amount of people, but it's because every number has a name. Every person that walks through those doors, every person whose life is changed because someone shared the redemptive power of Christ with them, every number has a name. When we have you check in, when you're here on a Sunday, I've told you over and over again, it's because it's not because I want to know how many people we had, but it's because I want you to know that you're more than a number. It would be easy for us to It would be easy I'm out of practice. Got to have water. I've told you before, if I get a bottle of water, you know it's serious. But it would be easy for us to just have our ushers at their greeters at the door and just with a clicker. One, two, three, four. You know, you've seen them at stores during COVID. You know, the, you walk in, it's like, nope, you're number 51. You have to wait till somebody comes out. It would be easy to do that. But it's not the number that we're concerned about. It's because every number has a name. Not only does every number have a name, but every name has a story. Every person who, who has allowed the power of God to change their life, everyone who once was lost, but now they're found, they have a story. Every so often we'll have someone who God has just changed their life dramatically. 
We'll ask them to, to share with the church. Why? Because every name has a story. Maybe your story is that you were once an addict. Maybe you were an alcoholic. Uh, maybe you were addicted to pornography. Maybe you just simply didn't think that your life mattered. Maybe you were depressed. Maybe you didn't think that you were worth loving. No matter what it is, no matter what it was, every name has a story. Every name has a story of what God has delivered them from if they've accepted the power of Christ in their life. Thirdly, we have to know that every story matters to God. Every story matters to God. So much so that he sent his one and only son to die for us so that we could live. So that that, that one person that is broken, that one person who has sinned, that one person who feels unloved could be redeemed. So here we are. Jesus is standing in front of this crowd of people and he's trying to, to get across the point that that one matters to a good shepherd. And so Jesus starts out and he starts telling this story about one sheep that is lost. Now, I don't know if you've done very much studying about sheep, but when you hear someone and, and, and they say, or a pastor say, you know, you're just a bunch of sheep, that's not a compliment. Because sheep, they're just not real smart. Sheep have no sense of direction. Sheep can't protect themselves. That's why they have to have a shepherd. I've never been around a sheep, just to be honest. But I do have a dog who is about three years older than dirt. And if, if there is such a thing as a rainbow bridge, he's about halfway across it. And sometimes you'll see him, and he's just standing in the kitchen, and he's just staring at the cabinet. And he's just looking. And you're like, Winston, Winston. He can't hear, can't see, staring at the cabinet. Probably thinking, kill me already. My daughter was in here. I couldn't tell this story. but And I look at him, and I can tell there is just not, it's just not happening up here. He doesn't know if he's coming, if he's going. He has absolutely no idea where he is. And so that's the closest as I've ever been to what I consider a sheep. He is white. So here we have this story, and Jesus is talking about one sheep. And he says, a good shepherd, a good shepherd would come home at night, and he looks at all the sheep. And now by all accounts, if you have a hundred sheep that you're responsible for, it's going to be hard. You're not just going to be able to look and say, okay, there's one missing. It's going to be hard to realize it. I mean, 
this is a true story. I, I know people who maybe have four or five kids. And they have left church on a Sunday, got to the restaurant, and one of their kids was still wandering around the church building. Honey, where's your mom? I don't know. We searched the church looking. All the lights are out. We don't see anybody. Just one little kid wandering around. Pick up the phone. Hey, are you missing anything? I don't think so. Well, you've got one kid wandering around the church here. Oh, we do. We'll be right back. True story. So the shepherd comes in and he sees these sheep and he's so concerned about his flock that he starts to count. Now, could you imagine trying to count that many sheep? If you've ever worked in like kids' church or daycare, I mean, you're constantly counting, making sure that you haven't lost anybody's kid. And they're running around and you're trying to stand still. Can you imagine these sheep wandering around and you're trying to count them and and you get to the last sheep? 98, 99. Man, I must have miscounted. So you count again. 98, 99. Man, where's that hundredth sheep? Now, if it were me, I'd be thinking, it's no big deal. If it were me, I, I don't really know that I would be concerned about the one. But I'll tell you who is the good shepherd. Jesus, the good shepherd is is thinking about the one that's missing. The good shepherd is, is looking for that one. The good shepherd can't put his head on the pillow because he's so concerned about the one that's missing. He's so concerned about the one that, that can't find their way home. And so as he's telling this parable, he says, what does a good shepherd do? He says he goes out looking for the sheep. He goes on an all-out search for that one. And then it says he finds it. Now, if it would have been me, probably would have looked at the sheep and said, what are you doing out here, stupid? Everybody else is over here. You got to stay with the, with the flock. You're lucky I came to get you this time. He doesn't scold the sheep. No, what does he do? He doesn't even make, a good shepherd doesn't even make the sheep walk back to the flock. I mean, you think about this. He's been out in the sun all day and, and it's night and he's had to go on an all-out frantic search looking for this lost sheep. If you're following along with the parable and you begin to think about it, you understand that that, that 
sheep is probably, that shepherd's going to be tired. But what does he do? He doesn't even make that sheep walk back to the flock. Jesus telling this parable says a good shepherd would pick that sheep up, put him on his shoulder, and take him back to the flock. And then he says, not only does he do that, but he calls his neighbors. If you're following along with the story and you just want to add a little bit to it, you can imagine that, that probably this shepherd is, is saying, hey, have you seen sheep number 100? Hey, could you maybe count your sheep? Are they with, is he with yours? And so he's on an all-out first. So the neighbors know that, that he's looking for this lost sheep. And it says when he finds the sheep, he puts it on his shoulders, he walks it back to the flock, he calls his neighbors and he throws a party. He says, listen, I've found the one. I've found the missing sheep. I've found the one I was looking for. And that's what God did and does in our lives. He cares about the one. He goes on an all-out search for the one. He declares the one matters. We have to understand, we can change the world, but the only way that we can change the world is one person at a time. We can change our community, but the only way we can change our community is one person at a time. One lost person at a time. I want that to resonate in your heart. One, one, one. Now there's some things that you need to understand about this search. Because sometimes there's some misconception about when you're searching for the lost one. The first thing that you have to understand and realize that all are equally loved, but the lost are the priority. All are equally loved, but the lost are the priority. Now, how many people would just be 100% honest this morning and say, there's a point in time that I have lost one of my children, maybe in a store. Come on. I'll never forget the time I was, I've only got one and I'm gonna tell this story. I mean, if you've got four or five, it's understandable, but if you lose one, I mean, you're not gonna win parent of the year. And I'll never forget we were at Gaddyland and I started looking around and couldn't find Reese. I was frantic. But now if you have more than one, you don't love the lost one more than you love the others. But in that moment, the one that is lost becomes the priority. In that moment, you're not going to say, hey, I know your brother's missing, but hey, uh, you know, you want some food? Mommy, I'm hungry. I don't care. We'll take care of it after we find the lost one. In that moment, the one that is missing becomes the priority. It isn't that you love the one that's missing any more than the ones who have stayed with you and listened. But in that moment, you're not concerned about them. You love them, but they're not your priority. We have to understand that we're all loved. 
when I look out across this auditorium, it's probably the first church I've ever worked, worked in that I could look across this auditorium and say this without hitting the altar. I love all of you. There's some churches I'd say, I, I love you, but I don't like you. It's not the case here. I look across this auditorium and I say, I love you. You are all loved. But the lost are the priority. The lost are the priority. And going forward, we planted this church almost 15 years ago with the idea that we were going to do everything that we could to reach the lost. But it's so easy. It's so easy. The longer you're a church, to forget that focus. So easy to say, well, we've got 99, figuratively speaking. Let's take care of the 99. But Jesus said, a good shepherd. You're loved, but the priority is the lost, that lost one. So we're going to do everything that we can to reach the lost. We're going to do everything that we can to go after the one. Why? Because a good shepherd, that's their priority. Second thing you need to know is, is that you're never lost in the crowd. You are never lost in the crowd. You may be sitting here this morning and and you may feel like that you're small, that you're insignificant. You may feel like that, that you do not matter. But I want you to know that God has the the unique ability to see you as one. Every person, every teenager, every child. You may be sitting here this morning and you may think and feel like that no one sees you. You may be sitting here this morning and the weight of the world may be on your shoulders and you feel like that no one knows. Listen, it's our goal to know you. It's our desire to know when you're hurting, to know when you're going through things. That's why we we push life groups and and that's why, because we want to know when you're hurting. But as many programs as we can have, as hard as we can try, there's some times that we're going to fail. There's some times that, that you're going to feel like that you're hurting and that no one knows or that no one cares. But this morning, I I want to declare to you that even if you feel that way, and even if we have failed you, there's one who cares. There's one who knows. There's one who is searching for you. There is one that's, that's willing to leave the 99. He's looking for you, and he cares about you. He wants to, to, to find you and to pick you up, and to put you on his shoulder, and to carry you home, because you can't carry yourself, and you can't find the way yourself. So don't ever feel like that you're lost in the crowd. 
Because if nothing else, God sees you and God knows. Second thing you... When you come in... This is dangerous when I start going off my notes, going away from my notes. I told you, it's been three weeks since I preached. But when you start thinking about the one, you start thinking about what and the people that God placed in your life. They're something that, else that we need to know. When you are interacting with someone, you never know what they're going through. So when I look at someone, I try my best to, to understand and to realize, hey, they may be going through something that I have no idea about. As my mom was in the hospital and we had had a, just a wonderful nurse and um, her shift, she had been working several straight days, and we had just really bonded with her. And, but after the Wednesday ended, it was a time she had another job, and then she was going on vacation. So we get there on Thursday morning, and we meet who's going to be my mom's nurse. Now, I don't know if it was really if they were that bad or if it was just because the person that we had had before had been so great. But you begin to, to ask questions and, and, and really it just seemed like a lost ball in high weeds. And you're thinking, oh my gosh. So we go through that day and Friday morning rolls around and we had the conversations and man, we hope we don't have so-and-so again today. I hope I don't, you know, I hope he's got vacation to go to. We thought about taking up a collection just to send him to Disney World. Be anywhere but here. So we're standing there on Friday morning and the lung doctor comes in and she's talking about my mom's condition. And, and I just noticed that this nurse was sort of looking off and he was standing at the foot of her bed. The lung doctor walks out and when he turns, you can see he's got tears in his eyes. And he said, this is really hard for me. He said, um, it's hard for me because my mom is about three years younger than your mom and she's at home with cancer. And she probably only has days to live. You want to talk about feeling like that you've been beat. When he said that, I mean, it was just... It just hit me. It's like, here we are. We were concerned about ourselves. I had no idea what he was going through. And I looked at him and I said, can we pray with you? And in that moment, I believe that this, a lot of this was born, this message. Because we began to pray with him. And he began to cry and he said, thank you. And I don't know if that prayer made a difference in his life, and I may never know. But I do know the power of one. I do know 
that you lock eyes with people every day of your life and you have no idea what they're going through. Second thing we need to know is, is that heaven's the loudest when someone who is lost is found. Heaven is the loudest when someone who is lost is found. And that should speak volumes to us. The greatest party in heaven is reserved for when one lost person comes home. What do you reserve your loudest noise for? The Bible says that when one lost person is found, there's rejoicing in heaven. In verses five through seven, I just want to read it again. It says, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And then verse seven says, I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Jesus said there's more rejoicing in heaven. There's more rejoicing in heaven when one lost is found than any other time. The last month of my life has made me ask myself a lot of questions. I've always said that no matter what you're going through, that, um, that it's for a reason, it's for a purpose. One pastor put it, there's purpose in the pain. And I don't believe that, that God wastes any opportunity, that everything that you go through is for a reason and for a purpose, and that purpose is to teach you something, it's to help you help others. To be honest, after the passing of, while my mom was in the hospital and things weren't looking good, and, and then after her passing, I, I started to listen to story after story after story after story of the lives that she had touched. And I begin to think about that. And I had, you know, with <clears throat> over the past year, there have been some pretty, in the church world, important people who have passed away. And I begin to, when that happened, you would read about people and how that they said that they had touched their lives. But to me, I thought, well, of course they did. They were over a large church. They were over the youth of an entire denomination. Of course, they've touched people's lives. But then when I begin to hear and get text messages and instant messages and personal stories of the lives that she had touched, it hit me. She never pastored a big church. 17 years of, of pastoring. I mean, if on a Sunday morning, if, if we had 50 people, we were dancing in the streets of Pax, West Virginia. We were going to Kelly's Corner to have a hot fudge cake because we had 50. 
But story after story after story after story. High school. Classmates. People that I had no idea who they were would come to me and say, anytime I was down, maybe I hadn't even told anybody, but I'd get a text message. I would get a message. And I begin to think about that. Sometimes it's so easy to lose our focus. Sometimes it's so easy to think we've got our 99 and we forget the power of one. So easy to forget our personal mission. You have a personal mission. I have a personal mission. When Jesus left this earth, he was clear that our purpose was to spread the good news. Was to tell people that there was a God in heaven who loved them enough to send his only son to die in our place. It's easy to lose. And it's easy to forget the power of one. Luke chapter 15 wasn't just three stories. As a matter of fact, nothing that ever happened to Jesus, no story that he told, no encounter that he had was by accident. It had a reason. It had a purpose. These three stories weren't just because Jesus needed to kill some time. These three stories were to emphasize the power of one. The one lost son, the one lost coin, the one lost sheep. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to understand the power of one. He said, if you want to change your community, You have to get a hold of the importance of the one. We do just like we did a few Wednesday nights ago when we had a family carnival. People in the community came. We love doing things for the community. When we were down at Park Place in our early years, we spent every last penny that we had on a trunk or treats. And we're talking, I think one year we had over 4,000 people come through. And we like doing that. We enjoy doing that. We enjoy doing things for the community. But as we begin to evaluate that, and it was a great event. But as I look across this auditorium this morning, 
I don't believe there's one person sitting here that became introduced to Christ or to Gateway Church through a community event. But I guarantee you, I can look across this auditorium and your story would not be that it was an event that brought you to Christ. It would be that one person who chased after you. That one person that sent you that text message when you were hurting. The power of one. That's how this community will be changed. By us locking eyes with our server after we leave here today. With us taking time to talk to our neighbor. That's how lives are changed. Leaving the 99, going after the one. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you two questions this morning. Hopefully everyone here will fall into one of these two categories. You may be here this morning and you may be saying, Pastor, I really don't feel like I matter. Pastor, I, I feel like that lost sheep. standing in a field and I don't know which way to go I don't know which way to turn I honestly don't know if anyone even knows that I'm missing that may be you and if it is you I want you to know that you matter to God And that he is on an all-out search for you. He doesn't want to condemn you. Because that's not why he came. No. He wants to find you. He wants to wrap you in his arms. Bring you back to the fold. And say, this is where you belong. So if you're here this morning and you feel that way, know that God cares. You may be standing here this morning and you may be thinking, yeah, pastor, I'm concerned about one. I'm concerned about the power of one. I understand it. I'm concerned about one. But that one is me. I've been concerned and more concerned about me than I have the lost one. Maybe saying, Pastor,
I need a better awareness of the importance of the one. So whether you're here this morning and you feel like that you are the one that's missing, or that you've been so self-consumed that you forgot about the one, or you're doing your very best to go after the one, but you know that you could do better. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you fall into one of those three categories, I'm going to ask you to join me in slipping up your hand. Pastor, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's me. I want to do better. That's me. I want to be more concerned about others. That's me. I feel like that I'm lost, that no one knows. All across this auditorium. My prayer is, is that we leave here today changed. Not just moved, but changed. New attitude, new way of thinking, new determination. If you're here and you feel lost, I hope you leave here found. We're going to pray. This altar is always open. If you need prayer, if you want people to walk with you on this journey and to pray with you and cry with you, and this altar is open. And we will absolutely, we have a prayer team that would love to pray with you, help you find that sense of community. But as we pray, no matter whether you come to this altar or you stand at your seat. We're going to pray that when you leave here that you're changed. And the only way we can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts. So as they begin to sing and I begin to pray, I want you to ask God, God, change my heart. Father, we come before you this morning. God, I'm so thankful, honored, and privileged to be able to stand on this stage in front of the greatest group of people I could stand in front of. God, as I look across this auditorium, I see those who I know God wants your will in their lives. God, for there's anyone here that God they feel like that one sheep God I pray right now that you will do a work in their lives and know that they know that you care about them God that you want to wrap your arms around them to love them God, if they allow you to, God, that you'll carry them back 
and there'll be a great party. God, for those who are here today that say, I just need a better awareness. I need a better awareness of the fact that the one matters. God, I've been so consumed with myself or maybe just my immediate family. God, I need a revelation that the one matters to you and that the one matters to you that it has to matter to me. God, as we move forward in our individual lives and as a church, may we understand and grasp the power of one. May these parables not just be a story, but may they become a way of life. God, I know that we can do nothing on our own. God, we can do nothing without your power. Holy Spirit, I pray that you give us the boldness, the wisdom, the courage to go after the one. Father, help us realize that that it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a challenge. But God, give us the determination of the good shepherd that Jesus told about in Luke chapter 15 to go on an all-out search regardless of what it takes, regardless of what it costs, regardless of the inconvenience or the sacrifice in our lives. God, help us become concerned about the one. Father, as we leave here today, I pray that you place in us the same reckless love that you have. God, help us be more like you. No matter what it takes. In the name of Jesus. Can you just let that resonate for just a moment? Nothing that he won't do. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Thank you for chasing me down. God, we don't deserve it. 
we can't earn it. I don't deserve it. God, you give it. Thank you for being here today. If you were a guest, thank you so much for joining us on this holiday weekend. We, uh, we, love, we love having guests, and you are our guest today. I pray that something was said that has changed your life. And um, I pray that you go in the power of knowing that you can make a difference. You just have to be concerned about the one. They're going to sing a song of celebration. We're going to leave this place. Fellowship, you're allowed to now. Tell someone that they matter to you. We love you. Have a great Sunday.